Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage. The heat is finally on in my apartment, so for once I can actually wear my excellent shirt, which I got from our wonderful store, um, which is very soft and would make a great last minute Christmas present. Um, ahem, check out our store. Okay, so um, on Friday, the Shields of Twilight made it back to town with a bunch of meat in their bag. Um, Luckily, Baz is holding our airtight, so it didn't go bam away. Um, and they were inducted into the Desert Rose. Now, any episode that starts with joining a cool desert gang is a good one. And things uh, got more exciting from there, featuring embarrassing wild magic incidents, Lex being <laughs> annoyed, uh, as usual, and a very generous goat. We'll be talking about all of that and some more right now. Then we'll be doing a deep dive into gods and mythology in 5e. Stick around. As always, stick around after the stream for links and resources. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. Joining me today is the wonderful Laura, back once again, as always playing Peregrine, our uh, favorite druid. And then I've got Tick, who plays Sinric, our favorite barbarian. They're joining me today to talk about nerd shit. Um, so you guys are all back from the mountain. Uh, you're up a gang membership and down a communicator. You made friends with a goat who turned out to be a goat. What's the damage? Huh. That was a lot. Like <laughs> a lot. Um I do not know where to start. Well, I mean it wasn't all bad at least. No. No, it was pretty good. <laughs> Most of it was pretty good. I think all of it was pretty good actually. Well, that's because Tick got to sit at the bar. Tick, your character got to sit at the bar, not accidentally suffocate people, or be one of the people that my character accidentally suffocated. You learned something, so that's good. And we had our crutch taking away from us, so that's good, too. Yeah. It'll help grow. I mean, I agree. There, there was a no-lose in this episode. <laughs> 
Yeah, actually, um, since that was one of the things I want to talk about, let's jump right into that. How do you guys feel, your characters specifically, about having um, the communicator confiscated from you guys? We definitely just, yeah, Perry, yeah, you see that coming? I didn't necessarily see it coming so much as, um, I felt like it was definitely deserved and Perry a hundred percent thinks it was definitely deserved. Um, and is kind of glad to not have like something to fall back on because they've been kind of afraid to call Liz or Lex since, um, the incident. And so, um, they've done well enough on their own. So Perry's like, well, we can handle this. Um, if it's a dire emergency, people have got sending, we'll be okay. But we really need to stop racking up debt and stand on our own feet. I don't think it's a matter of racking up debt, but it's a matter of we uh, we have that get out of jail free card. We never do things on our own accord. We always mm -hmm. call someone to do something for us. So it's not a matter of the debt per se. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I agree. But Perry's like, part of it is like, she just kept seeing like, we're racking up all these favors and we're not doing enough good for it to be warranted. Um, we're relying on others to do what we should be able to do ourselves. With the exception of having to call in somebody for an emergency resurrection. Like that was something we couldn't do ourselves. We couldn't bring him back. Um, so for Perry, it's just like, we, we need to be independent. We are our own team. And if we don't start acting like we're our own team and doing things ourselves, we're not going to get anywhere or be able to be successful. Not truly. Your little baby birds getting pushed out of the nest. I mean, kicked Jumped out with steel-toed like, boot, but you know. My little birds, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Jump. I was more curious onto the wording. Um, the whole, like, maybe, you know, along the lines of, we'll, like, understand what, or we don't understand what that device really is. So, leading to maybe it's something more than just, like, calling someone. Intriguing. I hadn't actually thought of that. So it's just Maybe. the way the wording was. I'm probably looking too much into it, but. They also might not be. Maybe it'll come back later. Um, okay, yeah, so kind of uh, speaking of debts, are your characters relieved to have uh, paid off your debt to the city? How do your characters kind of like view that? Indifferent. I mean, oh, um, well, no, no, in all seriousness, <laughs> I mean, it, yes, you did wrong on one hand and then you did good. I mean, yeah, it didn't feel like that big of a growth for my character as far as like making that moral choice because I'm not exactly opposed to killing people. But on the same time, you know, yeah, you, you went out and you did something good. And now you have the obligation to continue doing good while you're in the area. So, I mean, yeah, I, I get why we're, 
we were doing it and I get why it was a smart decision. Um, I think Perry doesn't think that, well, I know she doesn't think that they're done paying their debt. Like for her, like this is a debt that's not ever going to be really fully repaid. Um, it's, it's like she said multiple times to Campion, the punishment for theft should not be death. Um, and it was not up to them to decide whether these people lived or died. There was another solution. They failed to, you know, think of it or do it. And so part of her is a little bit relieved to have started to make amends. But it's one of those things where I think it's going to be a while before she really believes that they've truly made amends or she personally has for what happened. I must say, it's really interesting to see like your character's very different perspectives on this, because I feel like Peregrine is um, sort of driven by her sense of duty um, yeah. towards many different things, whereas Sinner's a bit more of a, pra a very pragmatic character, actually, mm -hmm. I think. Um, yeah, and I think your characters don't talk that much. So it would be really interesting to see you have this discussion in character. Don't let me influence you. Don't it's, do that just because I said so. <laughs> it's kind of like, I, I don't want to say polar opposites, but definitely different ways. Like so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Fascinating. Okay, um, so how do your characters feel about becoming part of the Desert Rose? Because like, not only did you repay your debt, however much debt you think you had, um, you also kind of got something out of it. You got membership to an organization who has some people who you already know in it. It seems pretty widespread, maybe. Yeah. Um... I mean, Perry doesn't, like, have a very specific feeling about joining. I I love all kinds of, like, little things like that. And I found it really fun and interesting to be like, oh, wait, Loxaterna's in here, too. What did they do? Or did they voluntarily join up? Um, but for Perry, it's just, like, part of what we're doing now. Um, so she doesn't have, like, a really strong feeling about it. She's happy to be there and do good and do whatever needs to be done. But she's not really like emotionally involved or attached to the to the idea that oh we've joined this organization. I kind of think they're bigger than what they lead on to be. Yeah, Laura thinks so too. Perry doesn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Sandrick's just kind of, and I'm biding his time to find out what the deeper mystery is, or is he just kind of like going with oh, the no, flow, I mean, being like, things will come the, up when they come up? The terms of the arrangement is when we're in, you know, Cageboro, we're to help the desert grows, and I, I don't foresee us coming back here too often. So I'm okay with it as a character right now. He's like, eh, why not? It, it's like a free get out of jail card with how it's presented right now. I mean, I, I think, like, um, as far as character-wise, I think uh, Campion would probably have the most likely odds of returning to this town before any of us would have a need to, per se. So it was the smartest option for him to join up, because it, it would benefit, like, you know, his hunts and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Not he just, you know, be being welcome again. Yeah. For professional reasons okay me um 
Yeah, so Perry, you got to spend some more time with your buddy, Bolton, <laughs> who uh, helped you get better in touch with some of your uh, magical abilities. Yeah. Um, so I personally have no idea what's happening to Perry right now. Um, I have some inklings. Um, but like when I was creating this character, I mean, I purposely leave holes in my bio for the DM, especially because Serenity does so well with filling in those holes with both trauma and intrigue. Um, um, She's a monster. Um, so I'm really excited to see where that's going to lead. Um, and it was really fun and um, exciting to start to like really like pick at that area. Because when I was creating this character, uh, Serenity and I talked about, she, she asked me some questions about like, hey, can we tweak this about your bio? It'll, it'll make it, you feed into the story more. And I was like, sure, I trust you. Let's, let, let's do this. Let's torment my character a little bit and, and give her room to grow. And this is like a big place for her to grow. She's been, she hasn't necessarily been hidebound or tradition bound because she left home and was just like, look, y'all, we can't stay here and do nothing. But she's still been just, I am a druid. My job is to take care of nature and the world. And my job is to protect nature. And all of a sudden she's realizing I'm not just a druid and I don't know what I am and I don't know why I am, but there's something more to me. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting. Also suddenly name dropping one of her brothers, one of her many, many brothers. <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's happening mechanically is Perry is multi-classing sorcerer, right? Confirming? I don't know. I oh, have no know. idea. Okay. No, we've talked about some stuff. I'm not going to say what we've talked about. Um, uh, but one thing that Serenity is really great about is communication. Like if we're going to mm-hmm. be doing stuff with the character and we're going to be developing things, she doesn't spring stuff on you in a way that's going to make you like feel like you have to hurt your character or change what you want about your character or anything else. Like we really talk about it. Um, so we've talked about some stuff, but I have no idea what's going on yet. Um, and I'm happy to not know. Cause then it's, it's more fun to be like in the moment, all of a sudden she's just like, roll a D 100. Let's see what happens. I don't know what number to pray for now. Uh, whatever it is, it's going to be wild. Um, so we don't know. Um, I personally don't know. Uh, and I'm excited to find out. They were all very excited to find out what the heck's going on with you. Um, the last one was pretty fun. Was it was pretty it, interesting. Was uh, it fun? Yeah. Is that the word we'd use for <laughs> sucking the air and gravity out of part of the room? I mean, it could be useful at some point. It might be uh, if you can control it, which we you're surrounded by a room for enemies. That, that's a really cool spell, actually. Um, anyway, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Um, because I, I think this is the first time maybe Perry's like really tried to get in touch with that core of wild magic and you ended up with something which I don't think anyone died but there was the real danger of people dying yeah I mean this is the first time that she's really thought about it 
outside of occasionally thinking about things like, I remember these times when my magic didn't work right. Um, I remember these times when something weird happened and I don't know why. Um, and then of course, a lot of bad has happened recently. So, um, the first thing she thinks about is that nightmare that's still very fresh on her mind. Um, and so that was the first thing that she could like zero in on. Cause I had a million other like happy little moments, but I was like, Perry wouldn't be thinking about those right now. So like for her, it's both exciting to learn new things about herself, but also terrifying because all she thinks she did was focus in on a nightmare and something that scared her. And all of a sudden something really big and kind of bad happened and she couldn't control it and she couldn't turn it off. Um, so she's really excited to explore that because she keeps thinking about all the things that she was told leading up to this moment, um, both from you know, Corallon and from the emperor himself who said something about the solution she's looking for not lying with the ways of her people. And mm -hmm. that still lingers in her mind because she's still at such a loss. And anytime somebody around her is sick, she's like, is it, is it like, am, am I seeing it? Is it spreading? Has it left the forest? Because as far as she knows, it has not at least reached other parts for people that she knows. Um, but like, she's always looking for like, is, is someone else experiencing it? And so getting in touch with the thing that she's told has been told might lead to the answer is really exciting, but also scary for her. Imagine it would be. And Cynic was just having fun at the bar. <laughs> Oh, just got to drink and watch the table watching. <laughs> yeah, I believe I did volunteer to help get people out after Dinner I laughed. And a show. <laughs> I mean, they weren't going to die after suffocating for a couple seconds. True enough. There. Um, do, 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 do. Okay. Uh, what's the question I want to ask? There's something else. I think I forgot to write it down. That's fine. It will come to me eventually um so can we talk about your new girlfriend for a second <laughs> oh wait no i just we had to we had to hit pause on the go i just remember what i wanted to ask you about so um fulton gave perry a present of sorts uh, yes. the, lip, the, the flowers um yeah i feel like i feel like peregrine has been sort of caught up in a lot of things and perhaps this is um, part of her uh, desire not to have any more debts since that sort of like makes the party go places and do things. She hasn't really been able to concentrate perhaps as much as she wants to on her own shit. Um, so with these with these flowers, does she see like, is this reigniting the passion for her to save her people? <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that that passion is any, has really gone anywhere so much as she realizes that she can't solve this immediately. Um, and she's not the kind of person who puts herself first. Um, but it has given her like a little bit of inspiration and a goal now that she knows like, okay, well, I have these flowers and they're located near where the tribes are um it's given her something to look for and that's mm -hmm. kind of given her more direction because all she has is this story about where the tribes are located but those locations aren't actually 
anything she understands. Um, so giving her direction is, is really helpful. Like now she knows, okay, well, I'm looking for, we might be headed into the jungle. I'm looking for a tribe that lives in the jungle. Maybe I'll look for that flower. One of these <laughs> flowers has got to be somewhere around. You've got something a little bit more concrete to go off mm -hmm. of. Because she has had nice. a concrete laid. Now you've got several. Yay. <laughs> Jazz hands. Okay, okay. <laughs> now we can talk about the goat. I want to talk about the goat so bad. Um, so that was really fun. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's been a lot of talking to animals in this game. This is the first time it's really paid off. Yeah. If you're a druid and you don't talk to animals, you're doing it wrong. I mean, it's mostly Oriana talking to animals. It's fair. True. Um, I mean, I, I one of my goals was to make Perry less cliche of a druid. Um, so, like, at first I was like, I don't, I don't want to have Perry talk to this goat. I feel like that's just real on the nose and it's going to be like one of those things where well, look at the druid go. But then I was like, there's a goat literally following us. Literally following us. And so she doesn't necessarily have speak with animals prepped all the time, but she does have that ring. Mm -hmm. um, so she's like, well, yeah, sure. And, you know, I personally love it when you get to talk to animals or plants and it's always something like really ridiculously ridiculous and they always have really great voices and don't understand why you're talking to them. Um, so it was really excited for this one to actually like be excited that we're talking to it. Mm -hmm. And I still um, want to know what it really was. Oh, lad. Uh, yeah, so you guys have any theories as to who Walad is really? I have my own theories, but I'm not going to tell you them. I'm kind of genie. Jin. I'm leaning real hard on Jin too. But although knowing our previous encounter, it's probably one of the gods that's trying to fight for one of our souls. Turns up as a goat. You never know. I mean, you know, I guess could be one of those trickster ones. I mean, it could be. I mean, I just I lean real hard on Jin just because it. It makes sense. And of course, Perry didn't think to insight check a goat. She's not a thing that she thought to do. <laughs> I would like to insight check this goat. Um, so she's just like, well, it's a goat and it says it used to be a person. Can we make it a person Old again? Checks out. Um, especially when I got really upset when we were trying to take that medallion off. Um, so, I mean, I just, I, I don't think it was one of the gods because it, unless we were being somehow tested. The goat, I mean, why not at this point, but. I mean, stranger things have happened. You never know. Campaign. I mean, it, it could have been just like a random reward or, you know, something like that given or opportunity, I should say, or it could have had like a deeper meeting at some point. Could be both. Um, I mean, I did write that name down because it could be an anagram and I will spend some time while we're not. Wait, what was his <laughs> full name? It was Walad something. Aldine. Aldine, yeah. Aldine, Walad Aldine. Um, 
I will spend some of Christmas vacation flipping through that note and like looking and seeing, can I, um, no, um, I will look at it for a minute though, seriously, because I love a puzzle, um, to see if I can make it so another serene. name. Um, Interesting. You're going to end up with like a fully formed word, which is going to have nothing to do with yeah. the class. It's going to be a complete accident. Yeah, it'll be awesome. completely irrelevant, but it will be a word. Um, no, oh. I'm going to spend my Christmas vacation doing nothing. Um, Someone's phone was ringing. Phone? Um, it was not my phone. It was mine. My, uh, I was getting a phone call. Um, it was on vibrate. Damn you. We are filming right now. We are live. This is in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'll do it when we're done. Um, <laughs> awesome. So do you guys think you picked the best of the three options? Seems like you're pretty happy with it. I know Perry doesn't. I kind of think logically it was one of the best options because it really mm -hmm. benefited all of us. Um, I mean, Perry was thinking like we have a lot to do um, and there's no guarantee that like we would get to Zuma and be able to come back and, and get a straight shot to Riverend where we wanted to go. What if we have to like track all the way around and like we're like six weeks out or something because mm -hmm. you know they do have really pressing matters um and 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 she thinks about things like she knows that melody is worried about her family in a trail and you know we were specifically you know bombs might be headed to riverin um and family matters to perry like she really wants to help melody like not lose her family because perry is in constant fear that she's not going to make it back home in time and she's going to lose family um, and then just me personally, it, just, it, it lets us, it buys us time to get things, other things done and to explore a little bit more because then we get there, we finish. And if we're ready to go, we go provided we haven't been tricked by a gin. Nice gin or a few, <laughs> who knows, or Dow, probably not Marin. Anyway, take what you think. <laughs> I just want to say this popped into my head when she was talking family seems to tie back into a lot of what we're doing it really does doesn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> actually i think i think that might increase the chance of uh Sinric having a secret child since it's a theme now it's thematic i mean i'm running away from mine everyone else is running from theirs or to theirs or to I save theirs yeah you know man family but yeah, the, the goat, I mean, me as a person's looking too much into it to a point where it's like, maybe the right choice was to help the guy and then not ask for a reward. But on the same mm -hmm. token, I think we made the smart decision as far as like yeah. the rewards offered the teleportation. Although, you know, asking a random item would have been super invaluable. That's true. I mean, we could have asked for something, you know, really powerful. I mean, it would have been a teleportation item. Who knows? Hey. Okay. Um, now we won't know. Uh, well, you'll never know. Oh, well, this is D&D. &D. Okay, so we're going to move on to our topic for the day, which is, drumroll, gods. 
speaking of gods, we've mentioned them a lot and they're very relevant to your story right now and, and also mythology. Um, so 5e has a pretty extensive pantheon, uh, one could say, with uh, very detailed history, feuds, wars, alliances, deaths, uh, cannibalism, some incest, uh, God stuff, you know. <laughs> um, so how familiar are you two with like the ins and outs of just like baseline mythology in 5e? Because there's a lot of it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm pretty much where... I, I want to say I'm like middle ground. I don't do, go to a point where I like go out and read all about it, mm -hmm. but it's to the point where I know where the resources are. So if I have a question about something, I can just pull it up and read it. Because as you said, there's a lot of it. Yeah, I'm kind of about there too. Um, I'm kind of in the process of building out the world around the module I'm going to be running soon. Um, and you know hoping to like homebrew outside of it so like i've done a lot of like picking at the research um and of course i have some because i play a cleric in another game i'm like deeply aware of the lore of that specific god um mm -hmm. because the raven queen is my favorite um but I mean, I don't know, like I couldn't recite stuff off the top of my head, but I do know enough to get by. Yeah, I think I think I have a good way to tell. Can either of you explain to me what the spell plague is? I, I, I don't get it. No. <laughs> it was a really fun <laughs> chapter in the, um, uh, what was it? The Neverwinter game, actually. Um, the way it inter or not interacted, but kind of like shaped the what was the king? Or, it was part of Neverwinter. Um, the way it shaped all the tunnels and turned people into like yeah weird mm -hmm. creatures and yeah yeah that's about you know interesting. But that okay. was from a video game. But it was still D and D. Oh, it was from a video game. Okay. Yeah, it was from the um was it Neverwinter? Uh, it, it was a Neverwinter game, something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there, I think so. Yep. You had to follow ways, apparently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You had to follow the character the around. And you, based off of Forgotten Realms, apparently. And they had cool blue glowing eyes. Ooh, okay. The eyes make it cool. This is this whole thing is cool now, just because the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay. Um. So, do you guys have a favorite god? I know uh, Laura just mentioned the Raven Queen, who's I think generally considered to be a coolish god i have to say you know morridan at that point because you know i i'm i'm short myself stout myself facial hair you know like to drink you just in identify real life. with him you just yeah exactly you know exactly nick has modeled himself after morridan it's just like that's his aesthetic now mm. <laughs> i just wish the beard would get longer you know he'll get there you know. believe in you you just gotta pray for it man you gotta have faith uh, <laughs> awesome yeah so tell me Laura why the Raven Queen if that is your favorite god um I mean it's it's kind of a tie between her and Melora um <laughs> Melora because I am a, a a major nerd um and a filthy hippie um but I enjoy the Raven Queen because I enjoy the idea of someone who is once mortal who decided fuck it i'm gonna be a god um and she sort of like has this sort of no fucks given like i you know 
I, I like the idea of, because I don't believe in like fate and stuff on my own, but I like the idea of there is a, you know, this is, this is how the world works and this is balance and you don't mess with it and you don't try to corrupt the, 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 the path. Um, I think specifically one of my things is like, I've always tried to, as a person, accept that death is a part of life um, because it is the, it is the best way I've, I've found for dealing with my own personal grief. Um, anytime I have lost a loved one, that is one of the things that has gotten me through. Um, and so I like the idea of a God who represents, okay, well, there is an end point. That's just part of the process. Um, and that is sort of one of the reasons that I was super drawn to the Raven Queen. Also, she just has a really great spooky aesthetic. Um, and aesthetic. I am a spooky person sometimes. Awesome. Um, so do you guys tend to play religious characters or is it like half and half, more a-religious usually? Uh, it, for me, it's kind of weird to play a religious character because I mean you have to gauge like how tied are they to like mm -hmm. a specific belief or religion and you know it, it kind of feels like you back yourself into a corner um, especially when you play things like you know paladins and you have like a party with someone that does something that is morally against what they do and it creates you know tension amongst parties yeah if you want to stay like that focused to being in character. Is that necessarily a product of religion though? Isn't that just a strong moral code? Mm, you know, could be, but don't paladins, you know, like they kind of use um, almost divine favor for their magic in that sense. Yeah. I mean, you can have yeah. oath breakers, you can have evil paladins, you can True. have neutral paladins, you can have paladins in every flavor. Yeah. Um, sure. I am not a person who has a lot of like blind faith. Um, mm -hmm. And I wouldn't consider myself like personally a, a, a particularly religious person, but I do play a very devout cleric of the Raven Queen. She's not blindly faithful. Um, and yeah, it can cause sort of like a little bit of tension in the party, but that tension is often like really good for character exploration. Um, <laughs> because um in that um in that particular game there's like a lot of tension between some party members who are like well no the gods are stupid um and um there's sort of like an ongoing thing right now where a former cleric of of the raven queen has now like started working with or has been working with theris dune and there's this like literal conflict between the character that I am playing and our actual one of our actual villains and they're like constantly duking it out over like what it means to have faith and like they do literally have a my god is better than your god fight because yeah. she's following Theris Dune and I'm following the Raven Queen um you got a narrative foil that's very fun um yeah it's a really I mean it's a really interesting um dichotomy because like I'm playing someone who has a lot of faith um dealing with someone who literally lost their faith mm -hmm. in the god that you know I follow 
Um, but like you do have to sort of divide, decide, are you going to play someone who is blindly devoted and who's never going to waver? Or are you going to, you know, play someone who can accept like, okay, well, I don't have the only perspective and the growth from that blind faith to that perspective is also a lot of fun to play with. Like the realization that you can't always, or, you know, your, your faith may not always be rewarded. Mm -hmm. Um, bad things will still possibly happen, um, and have happened to you. Um, so I, I think it's really fun. I don't have a lot of trouble playing it. I only have the, the one cleric, um, and yeah, Perry believes in Melora, but isn't super religious. Um, so I find it kind of fun to play with the idea of like super, super faithful and really interesting to explore that like level of character. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Personally, I, I like playing religious characters. I think they're so fun. I'm not religious at all. So it's like <laughs> play different than what I do every day. Um, Cool beans. Okay, so can you guys tell me a bit about the pro like when you're playing a religious character, a bit about the process of picking out a god for the character to worship? Like at what point during creation do you decide? Does it depend on the character entirely? Because um, that's like a very important and personal decision for a character who they worship. I think the first step would be like, look at the setting of what you're playing. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can go from there whether you know it's like building out like what part of the world you're in where your character is going to be coming from why your character is there mm -hmm. and then you can kind of go back and like fit in the pieces of oh yeah well i mean this you know this deity here would be like the best representation of what my character is yeah um i start sort of with um with faith and, and in like a generic sense, like what do they believe in? Um, and kind of go from there. Like when I designed my cleric, my idea was, what if I make basically a cotton candy goth? <laughs> nice. Put her on a path to follow a God that's not all sunshine and roses, um, where she has to accept like death is a natural thing. And um, everything is covered in black feathers, but she's pink and she's bubbly and she's happy all the time. And she's looking for happiness and to, to make people happy and to do good. Um, and so I enjoyed the idea of what if I just made the pinkest goth ever? Um, but I think Tick makes a good point about like thinking about like where your character comes from and who they are as a person. Because if you start, it's kind of, it's kind of, boxing yourself in if you start with okay well i want a character who worships melora and now you're in this box depending on the world you're setting in if you're not in a place where you're in a setting where your gods are really nuanced you're kind of trapped and you're not going to get much room to grow or develop your character to begin with interesting i think we kind of see a little bit of that with uh quinn um although you know it's you kind of we we're playing with a different um understanding of what the gods are in this game so i mean that that takes it to a different mm -hmm. aspect altogether but as far as like being introduced as i'm a cleric of melora first and foremost you kind of see a, start to see a little bit of that 
Yeah, actually, that's a good um, segue into something I want to talk about. So what do you guys think in general about what Sereni has been doing so far with gods and religion on Friday? Because we've, with Quinn quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. with Oriana a little bit, gotten a peek behind the current. And with Perry, too. A lot of you, there's a lot of god stuff. Uh, we got there's a, a lot of god the stuff. Current, <laughs> it seems less cut and dry than you think. Like, you've got that dichotomy of Quinn. You've got uh, whatever is going to happen with Oriana. We'll see thoughts i mean it's a polar opposite for e- even oriana i mean well is it a polar opposite is it a polar opposite we don't i, think I don't think so i think it's yeah i mean it's kind of the same choice but which road do you want to take to get there mm-hmm. i i love how nuanced the mythology is um and i also am kind of living for the like the active gods the the gods that show up and actually give a fuck they're not they're not out somewhere where they don't really matter and it's just your your faith and that's it. Um, the idea that Bane came and fucked with us. Um, uh, that Asmodeus is taunting Melody a little bit because she's been not so great. Um, I really like that we don't know enough to really have an educated opinion yet. And that it is up to us to look for that. Um, Because a lot of mythology and and 5e mythology in general is really kind of black and white. You have, these are your good gods and these are your bad gods. And if you follow these bad gods, you are a bad person. Um, And I really like that in Aetonia, Aetonia, it's different. Yeah, okay, well, Bane is technically a destroyer, but is he evil no i mean it's one of those where it's like a forest fire you know will devastate a forest but it still allows for the new growth to come back you know come in Mm -hmm. underneath it i mean it's not a black and white equation it's you know choices and what consequence do those choices hold Mm -hmm. more so than you know destroyer bad not destroyer good Mm -hmm. Well, creator, but mm-hmm. whatever the opposite of destroying is. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like not destroyer and not creator god. <laughs> well, I mean, and I say this because like that kind of sets up like most of us walking in, we're just like, these are the destroyers and these are the creators and these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. And we need to, you know, be good or bad. And that's not how the world works. You know, just because they're labeled one way. I mean, there are some, you know, Thuris Dune, thoroughly bad. Um, or so you think. I mean. He I could think... be the forest fire the world needs. <laughs> you never know. Oh, that's sounding real apocalyptic. Okay. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but like, there are some that like, we're, we're clearly, that's a problematic God over there. Um but we don't know enough to make a decision. Um, and the assumptions we make lead to the, you know, lead to mistakes and lead us down roads that maybe we don't want to go down or didn't anticipate going down. I mean, we saw what happened when, you know, Oriana assumed that she knew everything about Aeon and was Except going. Who she actually was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Hey. Um, I mean, Perry said it several times about how do you spell assume? 
Um, and what happens when you assume? Um, but like we've seen where our assumptions will take us. And it's, you know, for a lot of us, it's time to start thinking about how much of those assumptions are wrong and, and what we can learn from that. Very exciting. We'll find out more. Um, okay, so sort of like zooming back out to all of 5e. Um, one thing that I've always found a little cognitive dissonancy um, was the reality of having non-religious characters in a universe where gods are definitely real and mm. prone to meddling. Is there still room for like atheism within this universe? Like, how do you reconcile that? If you just want to play a character who's just not religious, do they have to be a staunch enemy of the gods? Is this what atheism is? I mean, that that's... I a think cool character, asking, but like... Yeah, I, I think, I mean, even that kind of goes more into like non-D&D stuff, but I mean, as far as like in the D&D realm, I mean, you don't have to necessarily believe in a deity to be, you know, a character. I mean, I, I guess even going like the, what was it, the Forgotten uh, Forgotten Realms lore would be um, uh, Jarlaxle kind of comes to mind, mm. where he wasn't exactly like for Loth, but, you know, still kind of did his own thing. So, I mean, it, it's possible, but... I mean, I think it boils down to faith or not faith rather than belief um, because you can, in 5e, it's kind of, your character kind of, they don't have to have faith in any of the gods at all, but to say, well, I don't believe in gods, but they're- but <laughs> I've, I've never come off across a character who literally didn't believe in gods, um, any gods. Um, now- God denialism. Yeah, this, this idea of denying that the gods exist is a really intriguing one for me because when you encounter that, you have to sit there and think, but, but the gods are real. We have actual evidence. It's not like, I mean, it's not like here where you have to believe in miracles to believe there's you don't need that much faith but in dnd yeah to be religious you don't really need any faith at all in the yeah. broader sense though i mean you you say like there's evidence of you know it's like the deities in like the realm but i mean i i would argue we're looking at that in the sense of an adventure being part of a story but if you shift focus to say you know, that farmer or that fisherman who has never seen some of the things that an adventurer would, or, you know, never even left their village. It, it, it's an interesting question because, yeah, you could have someone that technically doesn't believe in the gods because they're in their little tiny bubble of the world and has never been exposed to anything that's outside of what they know. That had not occurred to me, and that's fascinating. I think we yeah, I tend to forget there that. are non non PC uh, yeah. characters. <laughs> you tend to forget that NPCs exist <laughs> if they're sort not of. critical NPCs. You know, these no name NPCs do exist and do have their own lives. We just don't see them. Um, Atheist farmer. <laughs> that is now an NPC in every game. You just don't know about them. 
might meet him. You might not meet him. He's there, though. You never know. Could be um, raising some horses for someone to come along and, you know, take. Yeah, you'd steal this poor guy's. Now he super doesn't believe in God. <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. Okay, awesome. Um, so when you are either uh, running or designing a campaign, um, how much do you think about the impact of religion on the setting? And this is just you guys personally. Um, since religion is, for good or bad, one of the driving forces of most civilizations. It's a compelling you know, vehicle to tell a story. Um, and it's something that can be used to kind of define like a moral compass uh, mm-hmm. for an overall story point. So I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can. It, it's it's one of those things where you can't ignore it, um, because religion and 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 faith, whether it's vital or not, is still an element that is significant. Because a, you're gonna have clerics, maybe. Um, if there's not, I mean, if there's not a cleric in your party, they're probably going to run across one um, because the gods exist. Um, and the gods have been such a, like a driving force in the mythos. Even if you, even if you're not doing a homebrew setting, um, well, like me personally, that's that's one of the things I want to lay out before I start is what are the gods like? What you know because. It's a D and D is like a weirdly it's I don't want to say faith based or faith centric but like faith faith as a a element is so important for building a lot of stuff like because the gods exist and actually do things and actually did do things so like I want to know like how they relate because somebody always asks. <laughs> And I don't want to make that up on the spot because what if I'm feeling particularly shitty and I just make some shit up that doesn't make any sense and now I'm bound to it? Um, Well, here we are. Here we are. This God now does this. Uh, All the universe is merely a carrot that the cosmic bunny is nibbling on. That's why stuff sucks because we're on a carrot. by the cosmic bunny okay um, and and that just became canon so put <laughs> that in put that in your campaign notes Tharstoon <laughs> is a bunny um Tharstoon is the cosmic bunny <laughs> eating Aotonia um, uh he's very adorable but quite evil or new ah yes cosmic bunny poo thank god um okay um so you're both, so we're all like medium, um, familiar with all of the, the much lore, the much God lore. Um, do you guys enjoy all of that lore? Because I feel like most of it gets unused. And Laura, something you said about D&D being like a very religious based um, gaming system. I'm not sure, kind of that, but I also feel like the, the gods and the religions have been given a lot of development um like more development than some other areas of D, maybe well the gods are almost treated well they are treated as characters 
the scope yeah. of the game. It's very um, Greek mythology where the yeah, gods are like, yeah. you know, meddlers. They're really meddly. As far as like reading. They have less sex. They have less sex than they do in Greek mythology. That I mean, you know of. Yeah. I, well, I want to know about it. Okay. <laughs> I, I think, you know, yeah, they're. <laughs> <laughs> Serenity has told us two ways. There's, um, there's definitely a lot of interest in reading about the lore, um, whether it makes it all into settings and campaigns is a whole mm-hmm. other, you know, situation. Yeah. But yeah, it's there. There's so much lore out there on all the gods and everything. And yeah, I, I mean, one of my favorites actually reading the, um, what was it? The first couple of books from the, um, that they published about Loth and their society and stuff like that, just because it gets to be interesting on how the gods react to things. Well, this particular god, but. Mm -hmm. I I do agree with you though, Truth. I feel like the gods got a ton of development and then the towns, you know, didn't get built out so much. Um, Create your own city, but these are the gods. I mean, was that done to, to give it, like, a platform for people to kind of have, like, okay, this is, like, the overall scope of the world, but we're not going to say, you know, this shop is in, like, E3 of this town. Right. So, I mean, I, I think they kind of deliberately left that vague as far as the scope of the game, so people can fill that in as they go. That makes sense, but I feel like, I feel like religion as not a major part of every campaign but a decently big part of many campaigns could also have been more vague because like they do tell you hey here's this god they're evil officially here's their exact personality and their domain down to like the last grain of sand (laughs) very specific yeah oh god uh, when I say when I say this city doesn't get developed, I think maybe I should have said like society because that's what it really seems like doesn't get developed um, in like not in general campaigns like homebrew settings, but like in a lot of pre-built five E stuff that we get, you know, from from wizards. It's all like, well, you know, the finite details about Loth, but you have this cardboard cutout of drow society or you know you have all of these minute bits of information about the gods but build your own dwarves and how their culture works build a whole dwarf um uh and i think that it leads to it can it can lead to one of two things. Either you get a really creative DM who takes these itty bitty bits of information that you get, this cardboard cut out of of a specific society, and they build it out into something really unique and really interesting. Or you get someone who's like, well, this is this is what the book says. All drow are evil now. Moving on. Um, and I think it really a lot of it depends on the story you want to tell because ticks right the gods are characters in this story because they've been given they've been humanized for lack of a better word personified i guess in a way that like they're not in real life like gods are concepts um in a lot of modern religion but in D, gods are people and um, they have their own lives 
um, we know things about like, well, these 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 characters, these gods are banging over here, and these gods hate each other. Um, Here's why. Yeah. Interesting. I guess the better question is, are we going to be any demigods in this, you know, realm? Ah. Uh, I don't know. I saw that chin stroke, so maybe you'll be making some downy gods, you know. Maybe the goat was a Debbie god. <laughs> maybe. Hey, maybe. Anyway, we're very excited to um, see you get involved in all of that crazy stuff. Um, so, sort of like going off of some of the things we were discussing in that last question, D&D obviously takes a lot of inspiration from like IRL myths. Um, and mythology, but I've seen it argued on certain parts of the internet that there's kind of an anti-mythology sentiment in the in the text itself and in the community a little bit, um, meaning that there isn't a lot of room for myths or um, legends that haven't been that are like not immediately true that you can prove mm. or disprove. Um, sort of like a lack of the mystery, which a lot of us uh, associate with IRL religion and mythology. Do you think this is kind of fair? The fair thing to say, or? Personally, I think it's bananas and oranges. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, and the reason why I say that is in D&D, &D, you're either playing like, you know, a pre-made campaign where things are laid out and a lot of those details become irrelevant because you're so focused down to one thing or, you know, you play like a broader homebrew scenario where details and liberties get thrown out to fit the story you're telling. Mm. I mean, e even with the game now, we're looking at relationships between, you know, different gods that are not what, you know, you read about as far as what the lore goes. Um, so, I mean, yeah, in that sense, I think it's bananas and oranges because you write your own. So if you want to write yourself into that corner, then you can, but otherwise you don't have to. I mean, I, th I think, I, I mean, I agree with Tekken. I also think though that there is a lot less like mystery in D and D and like, it's kind of up to you as a storyteller to decide where you're going to put that mystery. Um, and in, it's almost like in, because the gods are characters, instead of mythology, you basically have to just create rumors. Like, okay, well, there is this story, you know, you, you make up a story. There is this story about Asmodeus tricking, you know, Avandra into some sort of deal. Do you know whether that's true or not? No, the DM can know. Um, and you just sort of have to like write your own myths and write your own rumors. And instead, because everything is kind of out there in the open because the, because the gods are meddlers, um, you're sort of living inside the mythology as it's happening. Um, this is the age of heroes kind of like, yeah. What your campaign is, what, how, what's happening right now. Right. Campaigns. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, let's see. Do we have any closing thoughts? That was, it's almost time to say goodbye and goodnight. Have fun with your stories. Have Don't be afraid to use your deities. Don't be afraid to, you know, change what they're about. Don't be afraid to take chances and tell yeah. stories. 
Yeah, I mean, and don't be afraid to make things a lot less black and white than the book mm -hmm. says. Um, because the really interesting stuff is in the shades of gray. Um, and to be honest, that's one of my favorite things about the campaign we're doing right now. The really, really interesting stuff is in the things we don't know and the things we think we know that are probably wrong. Um, so when, you know, when you're coming up with, with your, with your mythology for your campaign, don't be afraid to go off book and, and create your own mythos that has more nuance because it's going to give you room to write more stories. And it's going to give your characters more room to, to, to grow and develop and learn. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so have fun homebrewing if you want to, but don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's our time for tonight. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you to everyone who's watching and who comes back every week to watch us uh, talk about just the most nerdy shit. We appreciate you. <laughs> go to our store, go to our Twitch, subscribe to our YouTube, subscribe to our Twitch account, tell your friends. Um, we'd consider that a really great Christmas present for us if you would tell your friends about our streams because oh, yeah. we love doing this. We love entertaining you guys. Um, yeah, uh, to, do we have, you have game on Friday, right? Yes. Do we have, okay, yeah, next Tuesday is the last, what's the damage before the holidays? Um, there is game on Friday, so tune to that, and tune to here next week, um, and that's it. Good night. Bye. Night, y'all.